episode 221, Beate Chalette, founder of The Women's Code. I think my favorite mistake was uh, getting involved in a lawsuit and wanting to be right about something that I was right about, but... I'm Mark Rabin. This is my favorite mistake. In this podcast, you'll hear business leaders and other really interesting people talking about their favorite mistakes. Because we all make mistakes, but what matters is learning from our mistakes instead of repeating them over and over again. So this is the place for honest reflection and conversation, personal growth, and professional success. Visit our website at myfavoritemistakepodcast.com. To learn more about Beate, her company, her podcast, and more, look for links in the show notes or go to markraven.com slash mistake 221. As always, thanks for listening. Well, hi, everybody. Welcome back to My Favorite Mistake. I'm Mark Raven. Our guest today is Beate Chalette. She is the growth architect and founder of The Women's Code. She provides visionaries and leaders with proven strategies, blueprints, and growth maps that provide clear steps to improve business systems, strengthen leadership skills, and teams so that their clients and audiences can maximize profits and scale their impact. She's a first-generation immigrant who found herself, as her bio says, $135,000 in debt as a single parent, but Beate bootstrapped her passion for photography into a global business that licensed content in the 79 countries, and she exited in a million, multi-million dollar deal when she sold the company to Bill Gates. Beate is the host of a podcast, The Business Growth Architect Show, and her book uh, is titled Happy Woman, Happy World, The Foolproof Fix That Takes You from Overwhelmed to Awesome. So Beate, thank you for joining us on the podcast. How are you? I am terrific. I'm excited to be here. We waited uh, for, for a little while to make this happen. So I am fired up and I'm ready to talk about mistakes or how to avoid them or how not to make them. Or what we learn, all of the Oh, what we learn. <laughs> yeah. So I'm excited to dig into that and talk about your business and the way you help um, entrepreneurs and and people um, like even like myself. Um, so there's a lot to explore here. But you know, there's there's one question I have to ask though, just in terms of introductions. The bio doesn't say what the business was that you sold. So tell us tell us a little bit about that before we get into favorite mistakes. Yes. So I come originally from the creative world. So I am a photographer by trade. That is the only degree that I have, the only formal degree I have. Uh, but I always was better at the business side of it. So I combined the two and the business that I sold was a stock photography syndication. We were specialized in architecture, interior and living well imagery. So if you were to go to the bank and let's say your bank is Bank of America, Wells Fargo, and you'll see the picture that says, do you want to refinance uh, your house? And there's a picture we would have provided that image. And we provided images for in hundreds of, of coffee table books and websites, you know, with design ideas. And part of it was a, a celebrity at home division. And we were and had become very quickly the world leader in that category. And that's what attracted the Bill Gates company to make us an offer too good to refuse. Yeah. And I'm sure he has a lot of businesses and ventures. Did you ever get to meet him directly or, or no? No, unfortunately, I have not. But I was told that he was uh, personally signing off on the acquisition of my company. Yeah. I'm sure that felt good, too. So That felt great. Well, good. Better than good. Great. So, um, you know, Beate, the different things you know that you've done in your career, um, looking back at it, thinking about it, what would you say is your favorite mistake? 
I think my favorite mistake was uh, getting involved in a lawsuit and wanting to be right about something that I was right about, but it was looking back, not worth the time because I fought for an entire year. It took everything. And then after the entire year, when it was settled, all we did was make the lawyers rich. I got rid of my debt and I started at zero all over again. So I could have saved myself the entire year and maybe not been right, but having had the same result. Wow. Um, can you, do you mind? So can you tell us some more of the detail of you know, what was the situation that, that led to the dispute and the lawsuit? Is this something you filed, filed against you? It'd be good to hear some of the detail if you can. Yeah, no, I'll be happy to dive into that a little bit later. Well, it was like one of those moments, uh, Mark, where you, sit there and you go like something's happening and you you just get the vibe and you said something's gone on in this office that doesn't feel right so, so i i fired my uh, my assistant my my only employee at the time and it turns out i fired her 2 weeks too late she had come up well, with this idea of running a business which was my business just without me <laughs> so the new version of this business that she was running it with my key vendor. So they got a little bit too close. I don't know mm-hmm. what they did or didn't do. But next thing I know that invoices that I had billed were not paid to me. And then when I contacted the client and says, hey, you know, the bill is outstanding. They said, oh, we were informed that you were withholding money and that uh, we paid them directly because they have, there's a, you know, they're now a new company. And I said, mm-hmm. what? Right. Um, so I I was I was I was absolutely shocked. And so not just had they misappropriated uh trade secrets, walked out with my list and uh and done all kinds of things, but they also went behind my back to talk to you know our clients and then had that money sent to them and then not sent me the commission that I had earned on these on these on these sales because typically I would get the money, I would take my commission out and then I'd pay the photographer. And so I I couldn't believe it because it was my key vendor and my employee. And so that's when I sued both of them for misappropriation of trade secret, for fraud, for uh withholding money, you know, and we were we were talking about we were talking about good size amounts here. And um in this lawsuit, as we went in further, what I did not know at the time is that this photographer was insured through a group photography insurance through a photography association, and it included errors and omissions. And that meant that I didn't realize that lying was part of errors and omissions, but, uh, but clearly... That doesn't sound, I mean, that's surprising to me, right? I mean, it seems like there's a difference between a legitimate professional judgment error. An architect does the math wrong and some wall collapses. That, that, that seems very different, right? Well, but what, 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 you know, what, as I, as this unfolded, what I realized is that this company is one of the largest insurance companies in America. And because they do this insurance, and offer that to photographers, they could not have a case that went to trial that I could potentially win. So they made it as expensive as they possibly could, dragging it out as long as they possibly could to bleed me dry until I couldn't afford. And and they, they just about succeeded because that's 
when I got, you know, the first time in my life, $130,000, $130,000 in debt. And then, you know, the, the mental anguish. So what is about a lawsuit, right? A lawsuit, I think, in my opinion, needs to be avoided at all cost because it is not about being right. It's about who has the deeper pockets. You and I, we talked about in the green room that once the once the machine kicks in, the machine runs and there's nothing you can do to stop that machine. So once something is filed and you've committed, that machine runs and it and you cannot stop it. Like you literally cannot stop it until, you know, it it, it runs its certain course. And so the hardest thing for it was number one, the money. You didn't know where the money really went because the lawyer writes a letter, a complaint, and then they are responding to that complaint. So I paid $20,000 to write this letter. I'm thinking I'm paying a retainer, but it's really for one letter. Then they're writing a letter back. And guess what? That letter has to be responded to. So research has to be made. The letter has to be written. Time goes in. And then they're writing a letter. And then letter needs a response. And so it keeps going back and forth. And then there's the discovery. And then you have to produce all these documents. So the amount of time and energy, and it's not good energy, it's bad energy, it's toxic energy, it's it's angry energy is, you know, first of all, you've been betrayed, you're already upset about what these people did to you. And you upset at yourself for not seeing it coming. You're upset that you set up your business to allow something like this to happen. You're mad that you didn't fire her ahead of time. You're mad at him for, you know, riding on the coattails of women his entire life. You know, needless to say, he he screwed her later on as much as he screwed me. The only, 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 um, the only uh, consolence I found is that, you know, he did eventually get screwed himself by by the person that he replaced me with to, you know, do his, his resale. So, so from a mistake perspective and to say, what did I do? What did I, what did I learn? I learned that you have to be, that your mental, mental health, your mental state and your, your ability to enjoy your life if you give that away to anger and you give that away to this moment of i rather be right so that was so important to me to be right that i forgot all the other things that that would bring and then all the other things overtook the being right until being right didn't matter anymore yeah mm. And I mean, I got a couple of questions. And I apologize that this is, I mean, uh, understandably, you know, mental anguish. And I appreciate you, you know, sharing the story and being willing to relive or recount a little bit of this. But um, can you tell us a little bit more about, you said earlier that like you, you had a bad feeling about the assistant and if you had taken action two weeks sooner, she she wouldn't have been able to do what she did. It's also a little bit more about the thought process at the time as you remember it. Yeah, I, I, it really was, you know, and I, I have pretty good intuition and I know I have very good intuition. God only knows why I didn't listen to it, but I was in the middle of production season. And so things were happening. You know, I was out in the field. I was producing. I just wasn't in the office enough. But there was a vibe. There was a vibration, Mark, that just 
felt off and and you know in the and in the tone and a little bit of a hostility and 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 snappiness and i couldn't quite figure out what it was and then and then you know and just and literally it was just before christmas i sat down i said okay i don't know what it is but i it's palpable so i said you know i'm sorry i can't do this anymore uh some something's going on and and then and then literally literally over christmas like in those whatever seven eight days they were up and running and had invoices paid to them so they had she had while i was out in the field copied invoices and taken them out of the office and uh, and then and then built their business on i mean it was just nuts what they did so so i definitely want to stress the importance that if you think something's off you're right if you have reservations about something or someone you're right if you feel that there is something that they're withholding you're right so there's a saying that when people reveal themselves to you believe them the first time yeah mm. um and the, your your recourse was purely in the civil courts i mean cuz i uh, it seemed like if she had literally stolen $50,000 cash that might be then a criminal larceny theft, whatever it might be called. I'm not a lawyer, but but stealing uh, missions. Mm -hmm. I mean, stealing the business from you was 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 not considered uh, a criminal offense. Well, I mean, they did steal more than fifty thousand dollars because you know my commissions, my contractually agreed upon commission on these sales was, I think, you know, it ended up then you know he had to pay me on that alone over sixty thousand dollars, but. Um, yeah, you would think you would think so, but then we would have to, you know, we would have to file a criminal complaint, and so we went to civil court, and and we did that, and and as you are kind of going into it, there's a point where you go, I can't put myself through this anymore, and so I I I did not wanted to pursue further actions after this. I had learned my lesson. I got to be right. Um, I got to pay off my debt. I had to start all over again. I lost a year of my life. But I think that that would have been even worse. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. I mean so so there was there was was there a judgment, a ruling in your favor or a settlement that they said I know you're saying it wasn't worth the effort, but that at least there was something, do I hear you right? Yes, they did settle uh because at the end of it, you know, I my my attorney, my my five foot firecracker attorney, uh, said to me, "We're going to have to stay the course so that they think you're going to court. Whatever it takes, you have to keep that. You have to keep up that appearance. That's the only thing that's going to want to make him settle. Because if you show weakness now, you're you, we, we're dead in the water. So I kept up, you know, I kept up the thing, and we filed. We said we're filing for a court date, and it wasn't until we filed for the court date that they then said, well." Let's not let's let's not be hasty. Let's let's settle this. And then they came up with a low ball offer that wouldn't even have gotten rid of my debt. And I said to my attorney, I don't need to settle for something that's gonna leave me even further in debt. If I'm gonna settle, then at least I'm gonna have to get rid of of this 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 thing that I'm having hanging over my head. And and had her actions, I mean, did that did that kill your business when she walked yes. away with all that? Yes. It sounded like it would have. Just yes, it did. Yes, it did. 
And so then you're in this process and yeah, as you're saying, this machine is running. I mean, even if at some point you were thinking, okay, should I drop the case, the mental energy, the time, the anger, it's not worth it. Now the reality is you have legal bills. So I'm sure then there's this factor of like, well, I wish I could drop the case, but the lawyers. The machine runs. Need to get paid. The machine Mm -hmm. needs to be fed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. That's it. Like you look at this and you go, now you're in so deep that you either are going to pull the plug and then you're on the hook for everything. That would have been $130,000. Or you are going to say, I'm so far in, I'm not going to drown in a puddle. I'm going all the way. And I'm I'm really a not drown in the puddle kind of person. If I drown, it'll be the ocean. I mean, at $130,000, it's definitely worth it more than for $10,000. So at least I would have had justification and everybody would have said, you know, I totally get it. You were deep into debt. You weren't getting anywhere with this. You were fighting, you know, one of the top three insurance companies in America with pockets, you know, deeper than anything who do nothing other than and stamp, deny, 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 deny on anything. Um, so that's a crossroad. And I, I opted to stay the course, see it all the way through. And then surrender to the outcome, whatever the outcome would have been. Yeah. So then from there, um, I'm curious then how you how you picked yourself up and how your career and other businesses evolved from that, getting things back on on a track to um, you know other other successes. Yeah. So how did Cinderella get to get to get the prince? And so as I, as I am standing in front of the ashes of, of everything I had done up until this point and the business that I had at the time was a photography representation business and a, a photography production business. And what happened six months into the lawsuit or nine months into the lawsuit exactly on September 11th with uh, half a million dollars in production jobs on the book for Mercedes and BMW and Levi Strauss and Wrangler, September 11th hits. And with that, in 24 hours, the rest of my business went down in flames. It was over. I mean, literally was over. And in literally 24 hours, everything, it was game over. So I, I hung in, you know, for another three months, the lawsuit settled exactly a year after I filed it. And then I had to start all over again. And I started to build on the knowledge that I had in photography, building that stock photography syndication, but I I had nothing, you know, I had to start from scratch. So now I'm going again in debt, deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. And, um, you know, there really wasn't anything else. And so now I'm $135,000 in debt this time. And I'm thinking, okay, well, this is, um, I, I, I can't find any more money. I'm borrowed money. I maxed out my line of credit. I maxed out my credit cards. I maxed out Ed V advance. I'm borrowing money to pay interest on borrowed money. And I made, made all the payments, but this was a, you know, at this point it's over. And so I fly to Germany. I meet my dad. My dad had a stroke. My dad did not have a stroke. My father had pancreatic cancer and my father dies within six weeks. So, so now I am here, you know, after this massive betrayal of, uh, of what I just been through with this lawsuit that ended up 
to very little. Um, being $135,000 in debt, my best friend's dead. I have no business. I can't figure out how to do how to do it all. And I think this is it. You know, it, now now it, now game is over. I mean, it was over a year ago, but I kind of figured it out. And then now, it, but it, now it's really over. And I I fell to my knees, Mark, and I raised my fist to God and I yelled at him. I said, you know what? If if you have a if you have a plan, this would be a really great time right now to fill me in because I don't even get it. It's like what the heck is going on here? And then I surrendered. You know, because now I wasn't drowning in a puddle. Now I was drowning in the ocean. I'm like, okay, fine. At least, at least now it's worth it. Came back to Los Angeles after my father has been buried. And at the funeral, I get a call from my office in Los Angeles, like literally at the grave, like five minutes after the funeral. It's my office from Los Angeles. We've just been served a notice and I was losing the house too. Oh, boy. So, so that's it. I mean, what else, what, what else kind of can you do? So I got back. I'm like, I don't even know what to do. Um, looking for bankruptcy attorneys. Like I, somehow I have to figure out how to get out of it. And I'm a single mom. I'm, I'm an immigrant. There's nobody here to help me. And I get a letter from the white house because in my absolute desperation, Mark, I had written a letter to the white house, to the president of the United States to help me because my former mother-in-law kept nagging me about this. You got to write a letter to the president. He's your president. If anybody can help you as the president and on and on. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to write the damn letter. Right. So this is 2002 George W. Bush. Exactly. Yeah. I, I get the letter from the white house. It put me in touch with the small business administration with the second in command. I walked in with my business plan, which I was prepared Mark, I had done all the work. I had my business plan. I had my portfolio samples. I walked in. I said, I am just not getting out of this. I need help here. And so they helped find me a bank, restructured my my debt into a, a 10-year fixed loan, freed up my line of credit. Three months later, I'm break even. 18 months later, I'm the world leader in my category. Bill yeah. Gates' company comes, knocks, and I sell it for millions. Wow. I mean, it's, I admire, I can't help admire the resilience in, in the face of all of that um, and fighting to, to create a new opportunity and asking for help and getting help and doing what you needed to do. That's, that's very powerful. I think that you don't know how strong you are unless you're under pressure. And there are two things that you learn when you make mistakes or when things that happen to you appear to be mistakes. Because now, if I'm looking back, Mark, and somebody would say, well, do you think, Beata, that these, whatever, 13 years of just like nuts that led up to these like final finale of these two years, um, that that was worth it? Then I would say, well, yeah, I'm a millionaire. I'm a multimillionaire now. But back then, I didn't know that. So so I think the detachment that the judgment of what the experience is as good or bad is necessary to activate these pieces of you that you need to push through this next level of, of, of whatever that next level is. Because you can't run a multimillion dollar company unless you have a certain kind of attitude. You can't run a team of people unless you made mistakes in running people. 
you can't you can't figure out what the opportunities are unless something's been taken away from you and you have to find new opportunities. You have to do that really quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then, you know, Beyonce, how often do you find yourself giving advice or helping people who business owners who are in a similar, you know, if you will, rock bottom kind of situation? They're having to bounce back, reinvent themselves, start again. Do you... I, I prefer yeah. to catch them earlier uh, sure. this time around. That That's my message now, Mark, is to say, if you don't step in action now, I can tell you what's going to happen. When you are in a point where you can't act anymore, where you can really only react, you're in a very tough spot. So this really requires then absolute massive, drastic a personal changes and a mindset shift. I mean, then you're going through fire with thorns and 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 people poking you. So preferably, we catch business owners before they hit the bottom. Mm. Yeah, because that's a. I do not recommend this to anybody. Yeah. Well, there's um, and that that that's a more effective time to be helpful, and then like at the risk of making a mistake here and sounding crass, um, you know, as a, as a consultant coach advisor, you need someone to be able to pay you. So helping them avoid rock bottom, keeping their business going with your assistance. I mean, it's, it's better on different levels, of course, the human level of not wanting to see people go through that, but then from your own business, it's good that you can help people avoid it. What, what, what signs do you help people look for? Um, it's generally the feeling uh, that uh, they're kind of, they're in an infinity loop, and the infinity loop goes something like this: I have invested in internet marketing, from funnel hacking to quiz building to product launching to selling from stage, speaking from stage, uh, converting better. I have invested in ten different things. I've put in two hundred thousand dollars. And I'm still in the same situation. I am I am trying to get clients. The market keeps changing rapidly. So I keep changing my messaging. I feel like I'm doing too many things. Uh, the message is starting to get really confusing, but I feel like I have to keep adjusting to respond to that. Lots of customization of solutions. And then and then they get completely worn out and they sound sound confused and their confu- their confidence starts to erode or they are uh they are they're growing but they can't scale and they can't scale it because you cannot scale yourself so they either finding business or they take the foot of the pedal and then they perform the 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 service and then they can't sell anymore and then that dries up and then they go over here and now they're in this infinity loop where they constantly go between one and the other. That's when you call me because yeah. I am come in and I help them to scale mm-hmm. this so they can build their authority and make an uh, impact. How how do you build trust if you're the 11th thing to come in and help after if they're worn out on I maybe they're thinking it's the 11th and you're my final hope or what what's what's the line from Star Wars you're 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 my last hope. Yeah, exactly, you're the last hope. Well, uh the idea here is to say, 
you probably can use a lot of the stuff that you've already invested in. You just haven't built your strategy around the actual business strategy. You try to build a business strategy with things that you bought. That doesn't work. So, you know, it's 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 like, you know, going back to an example of a relationship. You need to get clear if you want to be in a good relationship, what it is that you're looking for. You're looking for somebody who's active, you can ski with, somebody who likes eating out, somebody's liking to cook. You you need compatibility. So if you and you and you have tried many things, but it's not like you randomly go and meet people. I mean, that's why dating doesn't work. If you randomly go meet people and then you say, that could work. You know, maybe I can make that work or, oh, a brunette. All right. I can, I can do a brunette, uh, a blonde. All right. Well, oh, she doesn't, not active. Okay. Maybe, well, maybe, maybe beach vacations are not so bad. That just sounds weak and, and uninformed and, and confusing. But if I know what I like, that I like to be, I like to ski, I like to be active you know, I don't mind a nice vacation on the beach ever so often. Um, then it's much easier for me to identify that partner. And so it's very much like that. It's like you need to have an overall strategy that is a business model that works for you. If the business model works for you, then we can reverse engineer and we say, well, these things that you have already invested in, how can we use them now in the strategy that you don't have that I help you do? to maximize your return on investment because you can't maximize your return unless you know where it fits. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, there's, there's a, you make me think of, you know, there's an old entrepreneurship tip, um, you know, of not just focusing on what you can do and what you want to do and what customers need. You'd better make sure and test early on that there's a sustainable business model. On hundred percent. And I mean, that's why, you know, we have people that do what you do, that do podcasts and uh, get the message out to share the information. And if you are listening, please do us a favor, go to wherever you pick up the show and uh, subscribe to the show, leave Mark a five-star review, maybe with like one takeaway and share this particular episode with one other person that needs to hear what, uh, what we're talking about. Yeah. Oh, well, thank you, Beate. It's very kind and, and giving of you. I appreciate that. I was about to point, now it sounds like a quid pro quo, but I was planning on sharing uh, about your website. <laughs> um, so for one, you can go to uh, beatechalette.com and I'll put a link in the show notes. But there, you know, there's one site and I went and I did this earlier, um, growthblockerquiz.com of answering some questions. It wasn't that involved. It wasn't that painful. I still need to go back into part two of the survey, Beate, because it really does make you think of trying to figure out, okay, for me, my business, what's my business growth blocker? Um, but you know, like, I'm, I'm not trying to make it a coaching session about my business, but what are the most common blockers from, let's say, people filling out the survey? Can you share you know, a couple of the things that might really be holding someone back from growth and success? Well, I actually think it's probably really great for the audience if you make it a little bit of a coaching session because then they go and they feel like they're behind the scenes listening into the real stuff happening in real time. 
So uh, typically what happens is that there's three different pieces that people struggle with. Either they don't have a strategy, they don't have a system, or they don't know how to build their authority. You have to be number one right now in this market, an authority, an expert. And I'm not saying authoritative. I'm saying an authority, a leader, an expert in your particular industry. It's. I'm also not saying a celebrity. I'm also not saying you're going to be measured by how many followers you have or uh, on whether or not you're going viral. The only thing that goes viral, really, if you really think about it, are cats that ski or really stupid stuff <laughs> people do, none of which is in our category. And that's not part of the business model. It isn't. You know, the only post I've ever had that went viral on LinkedIn with over 1.2 million views was a post that I did and it said LinkedIn is not a dating website. It did nothing for my business. Sure. Um, it was an exasperation on on my part. And so men men being creeps on LinkedIn. I, I men I being a creeps lot of on professional women who have been subjected to that. It's completely inappropriate. Yeah. Exactly. So so the if you are an authority, you have a unique value proposition. You have a way to talk about why you are the logical go-to person. That's where we want to start. You need to have a system, a we call it a signature growth system, which is your unique method to do business. That is a complete client transformation journey where people have different entry points. They can self-identify where they fall in your system. And that allows you to help more people at different entry points, but you're preceding all the other pieces because if somebody starts at step three, it's still step four and five. If somebody starts at step one, they at least know that there's four more steps after this. And it's a, it's a much more satisfying experience. And then finally, you need an overall strategy. What is the business model? What's the revenue model? What's the recurring revenue model? And how do you, how do you set this up? And how does everything that you've ever done fit into this? So you have a consistent strategy that's aligned with who you are and what you do and how you want to work. Yeah. Yeah. So it's funny. Yeah. It's interesting. You talk about the likes and the followers and some of these things that, that can be measured or counted. There's, a phrase that I love from the lean startup methodology where Eric Reese refers to these as vanity metrics. Even the number of people visiting your website, if they are not converting into leads and clients, the number of people on your website, I think he nails it with that term, vanity metric. You might feel good about it. You might brag about it. That's not a business model. Yes. And to your point, I think the further down in our career we go, or the better you are at what, the better you get at what you do, the more you reduce. In the beginning, when you have to justify your right to exist and you want to talk about how great you are and all the things that you do, and the further down you go, the more you go, don't need that, don't need that, don't want that, not doing that, too much work, too complicated. And you just start reducing, reducing, reducing. Instead of taking on more, trying to do it all. And, and I think that comes back to the question of strategy. Yes. So, okay, I will make it, I'll accept your invitation to make it about me and my business a little bit here. You know, I went Please through do. And, when I went through and did that survey. It said the, uh, you know, the thing holding me back is your strategy, my strategy. And, you know, what you were talking about a couple of minutes ago, I mean, I, I like to think, I have, if you will, um, a constancy of purpose 
that said, you said when the world's changing and you're doing new things and trying to go into different markets and I'm writing different books and I'm starting this podcast and, you know, does that, does that create a risk now of, of confusion of, well, what, what does Mark really do? What, who does he serve? What, what, you know, before they even get to this question of what's the system, how could he help? Um, I mean, you are making me reflect and I'm sure there's opportunities to dig deeper into creating clarity around. Well, let's do it. Let's draft. do it. I'll, I'll take, I'll take you through it. So, so the first thing then, you know, when this is what I look for, when somebody says to me, you know, I have, I have a podcast, I have an online course, I do coaching, I have a mastermind, I have these things and I help people with actually not this one thing. I just had a podcast with somebody. All he does is like reminders for meetings. It's not a calendar software. It's just, he just figured out how to do the reminders for meetings. That's it, right? That's a SaaS product. That's one solution. That's it. But for a lot of consultants or experts, what's happening is that the market has been in such a whiplash over the last couple of years that every time you figured, you know, something out from, 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 from surviving to, uh, to, frugal methods to, oh my gosh, all hands on, on deck, fire, uh, leadership training to, uh, just kidding, uh, we're just laying everybody off, uh, to uh, we have more business than we can handle, to we are in a recession. What are we going to do now? I mean, it's been so intense that you naturally have to develop all these different pieces that help uh, to do your offer. So the first thing we want to look at, we want to say, okay, so what is the transformation of the client that they go through when they come to you? So in our world with the five-star success blueprint, we help people to really figure out where the misalignment is, what's missing, right? And then we build the strategy and we fill in on these pieces. But it's all around how do we create scalable systems, workflows, processes, and things like that. So when somebody comes to you, so what do people come to you most most frequently for? They come for um, you know advice and help around um, you know working with engaging their people in continuous improvement, solving business problems. And when I say business problems, a lot of that has been in healthcare, primarily for me since two thousand and five. People reach out. Um, wanting speaking engagements of different lengths. Those are probably the main things, right? And when they say they want speaking, they're also trying to solve a problem. And that problem is we have, the problem is not we have a hole in the agenda and we need to fill it. They're looking for value from me as a speaker. You know, so I recognize exactly. that and try to make sure I draw that out. When somebody says, we, we'd like you to come speak. I, I try to make sure the focus is not so much on what do you want me to talk about, but more on what are you trying to accomplish and what would a successful um, talk or workshop mean? What would that mean to you and the organization to make sure that we're aligned? Because there are times where I might say, you know, I, you seem like nice people and I would love to work with you, but this is probably not work for me. Let me introduce you to someone else. Yeah, I mean, first of all, you know, congratulations that you are in front of the audience because that is number one, a uh, very important thing to get the lead generation in place. And then and then, you know, we'd look into that and I said, well, okay, so how does how does all of this how does all of this fit together? Like what is the common theme of all the things that you do? And then we'll go in and we say, okay, so if the common 
theme is to help people articulate how to maximize, improve, con- you know, existing processes because they're not at a point where they can't just say, okay, scratch it all. Let's, let's, let's redo it. That to me, you know, what I'm hearing is a maximizer and, um, I am not, a, you know, I'm, I'm a person, I'm a, I'm a creator, so I can help, you know, build these things, but I always have a maximizer on my team because that's, that's a different skill set. So then you would, would go in and let's say we would say it's the business maximizer and we, for, you know, X companies, and then we identify what's their problem. Well, what does a maximizer do? A maximizer finds redundancies and, and cleans out, you know, cuts the fat uh, you know, gets everybody back on, you know, on the same, on the same assembly line. So think handoffs, my God, if I can, we, we could probably talk five hours over just handoffs between, <laughs> right. between departments. That's that quite is often just, where the problem is. Yes. That's most of the time where the problem is because they are trained to not talk to each other and they're trained to <laughs> right. hate each other. Mm. So, 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 so then, you know, we built the maximizer <laughs> system about saying, you know, if if there's consistent breakdowns or it appears to you that thing there are breakdowns or things fall into the black hole here are the solutions that we are offering and then we take everything we put it under one umbrella let's say it's the business maximizer who identifies you know the black holes mm-hmm. i mean you obviously would give it way better language and a symbol and a graphic and and right this is a rough and, draft it's okay and and, and steps and everything yeah. But then then what we would say, well, in step number one are companies that are at the point where they go, we have hostility between teams, and for some reason they don't want to collaborate. That's the workshop. Yeah. Then we have uh teams that are absolutely exhausted, that have been doing everything, they're just begging for mercy because it's been so intense. And they need, we need to create a picture of hope and continuous improvement for them so that they feel that they're right spot, which is only like everybody in healthcare right now. Yeah. Right. So right. for that, that is your six months program where you go in and you do two things. You do, you deal with the team and you deal with the operations people, uh, maybe three things and you deal with the handoffs, just fixing the handoffs will probably solve 50% of the problem. Sure. And then and then what's the next step? Well, now we have, you know, done this. Now we need to go into leadership and we need to help leadership to identify language between uh so that the so that they're not playing telephone. Mm-hmm. Right? Where they think they said that. I think we see this with Elon Musk now. He's like the best example. What he thinks he's saying. <laughs> and what everybody hears he's saying, yeah. including all his users on Twitter, are like 600,000 different things. But it's one message that he puts out, and it's one message of confusion. So that's how we build. So first we look at sort of the system, so we pack it all in, then we go like, where's the podcast fit? Does the podcast need a slight adjustment? Um, and suddenly you are a man, who a consultant who helps Companies transform at the first sign of distress, which is clearly identified, all the way to make sure that the leaders are now learning what what went wrong in the process to avoid duplicating this mistake. So you almost reverse engineered, uh, a, you know, it's not a bottom down, but a top up approach. Mm-hmm. Which is not a bad approach. Bottom, by up, the way. bottom up approach. Yes. Bottom up approach. Yeah. Approach exactly. And then, um, and then with that, we say, well, 
what what do you want? And then you say, well, I see myself as being the CEO of a company with 10 employees. Well, now when we have a system, the workshop's done by John, the um, you know, the 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 six months program has five different coaches and uh, that that go in for specific pieces of it. And then all you do is go in once a month and you do the the debrief with the with the leadership team and then talk to your team and then they perform. So now you can scale your business. Now you can have your 10 people, you can be the CEO and you can do whatever you want. That's how you could set something like this up. Making yeah. a lot of assumptions here now, of course, in the process. Sure. sure. Well, that that's it's thought provoking. And you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna look into this more. I'm gonna go back and do part two of that quiz. I'm, I'm, I'm signed up for, you know, your emails that you send out have been helpful and, you know, I encourage people um, to go take a look at what Beate is doing and, and, um, and, and what, what you're sharing. And, and, you know, I think the final thought I'll add, and this is not the last thought I'll think about all this, doing a bunch of different things does not equal a strategy. Oh my God, no. And I think I, there are times when I'm guilty of that. So there's opportunity there. To fix things, to maximize things. There we go. One hundred percent. And I think you know. So so again, there's two things we're learning in this interview. Number one, you now identified a sweet spot that you could jump uh, jump in, because one, you may be doing it in some areas of your life, but guess what? Your clients are all doing it. So if you can say, uh, my identifying mark is people that change their. Uh, their their objectives or strategies or main objectives every three months, you know that that doesn't work, right? So so that could be an identifier is if if the if the direction keeps changing. And number two, now that you've identified that <clears throat> you may follow that mastermind sounds good. I'm gonna sign up for that. I'm gonna learn how to do a mastermind. Speaking from stage, uh yes, uh that would be would be would be good. Um, so, but the question is, what's the strategy of the business on how you want to create it? How do we get the leads in? Where are the leads? How are we going to convert the leads? And then what are we going to give the leads? What are the products and services? So once we have that, you're good to go. And you probably can use 80%, 90% of everything you've already done. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you sharing that, Beate. and, And thank you for sharing you know, your story, I know, like you said, there's, there's anguish and it's not always, it's not fun to yeah. look back, but I appreciate you sharing what you shared in, in the spirit of helping others. And, and, and this advice of don't, don't get involved in a lawsuit. Don't be so stuck on proving yourself Thanks. right. Even when you know you're, you're right. So I, I really appreciate you sharing everything and, and about what you've done and, in different settings. So I will put a link in the show notes uh, to Beate's website. Again, our guest has been uh, Beate Chalette, um, social media profiles, the podcast, the Business Growth Architect Show. You can go find that wherever you're listening um, to this episode. So again, our guest has been Beate Chalette, growth architect and founder at The Women's Code. Um, Really, really appreciate you being here uh, for so many reasons here today. It's been great. Thank you so much for having me. Well, thanks again to Beate for being here with us today. For more information about her, for links and more, look in the show notes or go to markgraven.com slash mistake 221. As always, I want to thank you for listening. I hope this podcast inspires you to reflect on your own mistakes, how you can learn from them or turn them into a positive. 
I've had listeners tell me they started being more open and honest about mistakes in their work. And they're trying to create a workplace culture where it's safe to speak up about problems because that leads to more improvement and better business results. If you have feedback or a story to share, you can email me, myfavoritemistakepodcast at gmail.com. And again, our website is myfavoritemistakepodcast.com.